minimalists. <laughs> hey, Patreon. Welcome to live stream number 13. This is Ask the Minimalist Anything. You all sent in your questions, you upvoted them, and now we're going to answer some of the most popular. Let's dive right into it, y'all. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Let's do it. JB says, without offending her, because I know it's her way of showing love, how do I tell my mother that all her homemade sugary treats are not what I want myself or my children eating? I want to be around her. I want her. I want to be around her, but her house is the one place our healthy diet collapses. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I think <clears throat> when I think about this, um, with respect to you know, Ella having a five-year-old and not wanting to expose her to all the junk that is in other people's houses, mm -hmm. that they're, I mean. There's sometimes we'll go out with friends or whatever, and they're offering their kids, you know, fucking fruit roll-ups and and all all of these things that like I don't want Ella to eat, right? right? But at the same time, I don't want to deprive her of the experience of trying different things out as yeah. well. And so uh, for me, I'm not going to eat a fruit roll-up. I'm just it's just not going to happen. But for for Ella, I will expose her to different things, but in moderation. And I, I think that's the, the important thing to think about here is how can, I, how can I say yes to this in moderation for my kids so I'm not depriving them? And that also takes the burden off of me because it, I'm saying yes to one thing. It's not like I'm saying yes for myself. Now, yes. it, it, sound, it sounds like, JB, what, what you're really struggling with is self-discipline. Because just because the cookie's right there in front of you, you don't have to eat it. You can say thank you, it's a very nice gesture, and move on with the day without eating the cookie right there in front of them. You, someone can't force you to eat food. I mean, what I, a strange thing. Well, it, it's not that strange. I, I think uh, I think JB's, JB's question is maybe in regards to their mom's feelings, meaning if they don't eat the cookie, mm -hmm. somehow their parent, their mother's feelings will be hurt because they're not indulging mm. in this, in this gift. Right. This, you know, for an, an a special treat or an experience for their kids. Right. That, so, so no, I agree with you, Josh. I think that, um, you can, st you can say yes and no. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is this JB, like your mother definitely wants you to be healthy and your mother definitely wants your kids to be healthy. Right. So, if JB can go to their mom and, and say, hey, look, we're really trying to live a healthy lifestyle. We're trying to have a healthier diet. And I really don't want my kids eating a ton of this stuff. However, I don't want to deprive them. Because, JB, you don't want to tell your kid they're never going to have another cookie ever in their life. Like that's, <laughs> Josh and I are, are not going to recommend that. No. I'm not going to recommend that for myself. Like I certainly will have a bite of a cookie at some point before the end of my life. Or maybe I'll have an entire cookie. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a dozen cookies. In fact, let's end this live stream and get cookies right now. All right, see you guys. See you guys later. No. Uh, so it sounds to me like what you're saying is there's, there's a, a communication breakdown here. Yes. And, and the way that you can say yes here is by communicating what you should be saying yes to. Right. And, and, and ex expressing to them what your values are. I would really value a, a more healthy contribution to our family, right? Yeah. I really appreciate what you're doing here, but can you help me in this way? And, and if, yeah. if, you're, if you're communicating that... 
What's your parent gonna say? No. Right. Exactly. Screw you. Yeah, if you you're go, gonna get cookies anyway. Yeah. If you go to your mom and you say, "Hey, our family is uh, we're trying a different approach with our diet. Uh, we're, we're trying to be much healthier, and here's what we're doing, and we could really use your help. We could really use your support, and here's how you can support us." If you phrase it that way. Especially if you phrase it in a way where you're like, you know what, mom, you're an awesome mom, and you've been supportive my whole life, and because you're so supportive, I know that you're going to help me with this thing that I'm trying to do with my family. Like, they're, they're going to go out of their way to support you. Yeah. What you don't want to do is, you know, make your mom feel bad. Don't accuse your mom of, of you know, trying to kill your kids with sugar. I mean, because that's not what she's trying to do. So find a way to work with your mom and, and compromise a little bit. Yes, they can still have a cookie. No, they don't have to eat a dozen cookies every time they go to grandma's house. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say there is, just echoing what you said, but in a different way, focus on the positive. We're trying to eat healthily, not... My diet collapses. Is it healthily and not healthfully? Uh, healthily and healthfully are both the correct adverb terms. I, yeah, I love. But not, it's not healthy. You don't eat healthy. Okay. You eat healthily or you eat healthfully. Ah, okay. Both are healthy is one. not an adverb. I thought uh, the reason why I asked is I thought, an adjective. I thought that I was saying the word wrong because I do that a lot. I say words wrong. <laughs> Next question <laughs> is from Joan. Joan says, uh, "Excuse my voice, by the way. I've had a cold for like the last." seven or eight days and I'm over it now but now I've got this like congestion stuff going on but anyway Joan says what do you do when friends or family invite you to participate in over our limit events or trips so oh uh, financial or otherwise yeah yes yeah. so so if uh, someone invites you if someone invites me to go somewhere and I can't afford it I'll mm. say hey, that's really kind of the invite but I can't afford that and, yeah. and and instead of telling them just no to that here's why I can't afford it because I am trying to pay off debt or because I am trying to uh, save up for buying a new car or put a down payment on a house or we're trying to plan for this vacation or we, you know what, we just started budgeting. We're using the Every Dollar app now. It's funny. We just started budgeting. It's funny you're saying this because that's exactly, I just had this conversation with my mom. Really? Yeah, she was like, uh, you know, come out to, come out to Ohio or, you know, can I come out to LA? And I'm like, yeah. And I gave her dates and she's like, oh, why not these dates? And I was like, it's because Mariah and I have started budgeting, and it's not in the budget for that month. Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she understood. And, like, she didn't disown me or get mad. Um, and your friends, they want to support you anyway, so... And people understand budgeting. And, by the exactly. way, when you start talking about it, then all of a sudden, uh, a few, a few uh, uh, smart friends are going to say... Oh, tell me about this budgeting thing, right? Like, yeah. what are you doing that's different from what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. And then maybe you can have a, a deeper, more meaningful conversation. Yeah, but even like, I mean, because they say otherwise, there might be other reasons why you don't go somewhere. Like, if someone's like, hey, let's go to this cookie shop. We're going to try every single cookie. Yeah. And like, you don't want to eat cookies. You know, it, uh, JB's friends is asking, the, the mom is asking him to, you know, try one of every cookie. Uh, you know what? In that situation, um, you know, uh, Joan, if this is happening to you, like you can say, yes, I will go and have an experience with you and be there with you, but I'm not necessarily going to partake in eating cookies because that is going against my values and, and, and I'm trying to have a healthy diet. But uh, what I'm trying to say is, is there a way, there is a way that you can still go out, hang out with your friends and support them, 
Um, but just be very clear with them that maybe there's a little bit of the of the experience or the activity you're not going to be able to partake in for whatever reason it may be. But again, they're your friends. They love you. They want to support you. So as long as you're honest with them and have a good conversation, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to they're going to help you out. They're going to be accepting of you. Now we have two questions here that are in the same same vein. Karim and and Sarah are asking about values. Karim asks. How do you use your values to organize your priorities? We'll answer that second because I think this other question here from Sarah is a good setup question. How do you figure out what your values and beliefs are? Mm. Are there any websites or books you can recommend? Um, there's a podcast I can recommend. Yes. Episode 69 of the Minimalist Podcast. We go into a deep dive on our podcast on our podcast about our own values. We talk about the four different types of values. And then uh, my partner, Rebecca, over at minimalwellness.com. If you go to minimalwellness.com slash values, she has a, just like a one-page PDF sheet that you can download to help you identify what your values are. But we're also working on... Uh, uh, a new project. Uh, I can't even tell you what it is yet, but part of that has to do with uh, with some values. So more to come. Uh, we're really going to expand on that topic. Um, now let's let's differentiate your values from your beliefs. Your beliefs often change over time. Your values they can solidify and they can shift a little bit, but your beliefs might change radically over time. Your beliefs are the path to get you toward what your values are. So your value is sort of the destination, the end point. Uh, so in our first book, for example, we talk about the five foundational values, health, relationships, creativity or passion, growth and contribution. Those are your foundational values. And on top of that, you have your core values, then you have your minor values, and then there's this bubble of imaginary values, all that stupid shit that we pretend is important important every day, but really adds no real value to our lives. Yeah, I would. Uh, when it comes to beliefs, Sarah, I would say any beliefs you have, like question them. Mm. And, and what I mean by that is, is like hold them really, really tight and and believe in them. What, what did JP say? Mm-hmm. Believe your beliefs. Uh, have your beliefs, but don't believe. Yeah, your have beliefs. your beliefs really tight, but don't believe in them. No, but what I mean by that is, is if you really want to figure out what your beliefs are, like you already know what they are. Uh, to me, it's not about what the beliefs are, but why do you have those beliefs? Now, when we say hold them tight, what do you mean by that? Uh, I mean hold them tight as in we do have to believe in some things. But I don't we think have holding be- them tight is the right... For me, like letting holding them loosely is is what's important to me for yeah. my beliefs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to uh, go with the analogy that way, I understand what you're saying. Um, but, but I guess what... I'm just repeating what JP said on our podcast... But uh, uh, we do need to have some sort of foundational beliefs that we feel very strong in. Um, I believe that this wall is not, or this ceiling is not going to cave in on us. Right. And and I'm very certain of that. Um, right. There there are certain beliefs that uh, that yeah I I I think that we do have to have a foundation. But to your point, we don't want to just sit here and dig our feet in and say, oh well, this is what I believe in, and this is what I'm going to believe the rest of my life. Because I'll tell you. There are a lot of times that I have seen, especially when it comes to religious beliefs, uh, even when um, someone can realize that, oh, maybe this religious belief isn't as solid as I thought, in order to make it solid, mm-hmm. they will go out of their way to, uh, to affect other people's lives, their own life, in a negative way, yeah. just so they can somehow solidify this belief. And I think that's where, you get, that's where we get in trouble. Is when we do take those beliefs, we hold on and hold on to them so tight right. that we start to ignore the well-being of everyone else and the well-being of ourselves just to hold on to that belief. Yeah, so the the, the ceiling was a good example because 
I also believe it's not going to collapse on us. But if I start hearing some noises and see some cracks in the ceiling, I'm going to let go of that loosely held belief very quickly and say, all right, this belief has now changed and I'm ready to move on. Uh, when, with Karim saying, how do you use your values to organize your priorities? Mm -hmm. Well, you do, you, your daily actions should align with what your values are. And so if you're looking at your 24 hours, look at the last 24 hours, look at yesterday. How did I spend yesterday? And then do, do those activities really align with my values? Do they align with the person I want to become? Because that's what all your values are ultimately is who is the person I want to become? What is the best or most ideal version of myself? Not the perfect version. What is the most ideal version of me? And then all of my actions should align with those values. Our next question is from um, Manuel. Manuel says, how do you avoid filling the emptiness after decluttering? I feel that I work a lot and declutter regularly. I'm working in my community and as a freelancer and try as good as I can to be deliberate with my time, but for some reason I get new stuff piling up just after, after a couple weeks and I'm never getting a clutter-free room. Do you have any tips? Well, hold on. Hold on. You get new stuff piling up just a couple of weeks after you declutter it, but you don't know how that you know exactly why you have stuff. You know exactly why it's, why it's piling up. You know exactly why the room is getting recluttered. Uh, it is the habits. And I know you're saying you're trying really hard. Well, stop trying and do. And what I mean by that is, is start to interrupt these habits that you have that brings clutter back in. So if it's, if it's uh, you have a, a, a shopping addiction and you're shopping all the time, you've got to find a way to break that habit. There are several ways you can do that. You can find a friend or a family member to help you out. Yeah. You can start implementing uh, certain actions to take to really change your state when you get those uh, when you get those impulses to shop. You could find better habits to replace shopping with. But regardless, Manuel. You have got to set up new rules for yourself. You have to set up new rules for yourself. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the 30-30 rule, or maybe that's the 20-20 rule, or maybe it's the 90-90 rule, or maybe you make up your own rule, but regardless, you have to have some new rules for yourself. If you don't make new rules for yourself, if you don't start to incorporate new habits, then, then you will always be in this situation. Sounds to me like uh, we need two things here. We need one is we need to figure out why you keep going back to shopping. You're trying to fill a void. Mm -hmm. And so what is the actual void? Because the stuff is never going to fill the void. This mm -hmm. feeling of emptiness, it, you're, you can feel completely full in an empty room. In fact, you'll quite often feel more calm and content and thus fuller inside when the room is decluttered, right? Mm -hmm. When there's nothing there at all. You walk into a museum and it's so well curated, you're, it's like a breath of fresh air. You're just like, oh, wow, like, I feel complete in this room. Mm -hmm. And the reason you do is because there is not all of that excess. So why are you feeling that void? That's important. And then, and then second, uh, you mentioned uh, like the 30-30 rule. Mm -hmm. That's a rule that helps you uh, get some extra friction in your life. You need some more friction because right now it's really easy for you to get on Amazon and one click buy whatever you want. And that's an interesting and neat and nice technology, but not if you're buying impulsively. 
And so what Ryan and I came up with was, was, was something called the 30-30 rule. If anything costs more than $30, wait at least 30 hours to buy it and really ask yourself, will this add value to my life? We yeah. have one more question. Well, I was going to say, man, well, something that's worked for me is uh, contribution. Um, going out of my way to help a friend or a family member or, you know, going and doing some kind of soup kitchen thing or Habitat for Humanity, uh, that's, that's a great way to, to fill a void because it makes you feel uh, useful. Uh, it makes you feel like you are using some resources to, to do something with and the something that you're doing is, is you're adding value to other people's lives. So I don't know. Try it out. All right. Last question. Shannon. How does minimalism prepare you for an emergency like Hurricane Lane that we, we in Hawaii are currently facing? Once the emergency is over, how do you not go overboard with trying to prepare for the next time this may happen since it doesn't happen very often like snowstorms or tornadoes in the mainland? Um, well, uh, a few things. I mean, we've had to deal with hurricanes in the past. We live in Los Angeles mm -hmm. now, um, but uh, our coffee shop down in Florida, uh, Bandit Coffee, uh, we had to board up for several days yeah. uh, prior to the the hurricane that came through there. Was it Irma? Uh, Irma God! I it think was it Irma. was. Yeah, it was Irma. Yeah, and and as we were going through that, we prepared the same way many people prepared a few days in advance mm -hmm. because you have some warning for that. Now there are yeah. some events you're not going to have any warning for whatsoever. Maybe your house is going to catch on fire. How do you prepare for that? Yeah. How do you prepare for the flood that was unexpected? You know, the, the Dayton flood of 1913. But you know no what? Was ready for but, that. but those two examples, um, fire extinguisher, I mean, that's not going to put out a whole fire. Right. But that, that's a safety precaution. Sure. Um, with flooding, um, I know that uh, a lot of folks I know who live in like flood zones they make sure to keep their stuff off the ground a foot or two. Right, but then there are some people who don't live in flood zones. So like my, right. my friend Sam, remember she, her whole house was flooded down in Florida in a place that wasn't a flood zone at all. It had never been flooded before. Mm -hmm. And there was just, you know, these the, the right conditions to completely flood her yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. And um, there are some things you certainly can't prepare for, absolutely. Right, and so I think the, the key lesson is minimalism helps you prepare by your willingness to let go. Sometimes you might face a catastrophe. And you might have everything, every physical item that you have destroyed. But if you have a willingness and ability to detach from that and realize that that's not a real problem, they're just physical goods, they're replaceable things, then you're going to deal with it a whole lot better than you know, the, the sitting around and, and uh, worrying about it in perpetuity. Yeah. Because the truth is, for many emergencies... True emergencies, there's nothing we can do to prepare anyway. And so worrying about it is not a way to prepare for your own emergency. No, absolutely not. I think I think as you know, as a minimalist, it's not it's not that we aren't prepared for emergencies, it's that we are prepared appropriately for those emergencies. So mm. what I mean by that is is uh, when we lived in Montana, like Mariah and I, we had a blanket. In, the, in our trunk, we had um, like a liter of water, uh, and that was it. I mean, uh, maybe there was like some kind of like roadside type equipment back there. But my point is, is that like we lived in Montana, and in the winter time, especially with us, you know, driving a two wheel drive Toyota Corolla, uh, there is a possibility that something might happen to where we needed to hunker down in the cold. So we had uh, we had equipment 
for uh, just for when or so you know that doesn't mean that we need to have a 50 gallon thing of water in our trunk it doesn't mean that we need to like pack a whole picnic basket and keep that always updated so there's an appropriate amount of preparation that one can do uh, as a safety precaution so a good example is the house burning down like a fire extinguisher that's totally appropriate yeah that is that's not something that's gonna take up a lot of space it's not gonna you know clutter up your home too much and it's a great uh, just for when or, or whatever you want to call it. But you're not going to hire a whole fire team right. to be in your house. You're not going to put in a sprinkler system. Yeah. Right. I mean, some people, some places do have sprinkler systems, but you're not always going to need the sprinkler system. You're not always going to need the fire, the firemen living in your house. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. So figure out what is appropriate for you. I think is the best answer for that. Yes. All right, y'all. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter. We really appreciate it, and we will see you next time. See you later. The minimalists. <laughs>